With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting the exposure to grow your small wedding business can be difficult. With millions of engaged couples using The Knot to plan their weddings and find vendors, advertising on our sites will connect you with more couples than anywhere else online. Meet engaged couples where they're already searching for vendors like you. And let us deliver leads to help you grow your business. Visit vendors.thenot.com slash podcast to sign up today. Mention code PODCAST15 during your free onboarding session for 15% off your first month. And that, you know, pitchers have only so many arms. You don't want to waste their inning. Sorry, only so many pitches in their arm. They, they do the only players. have two arms. You know, they had a pretty good starting pitcher and a great right fielder, and they traded them both away. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, try to, I try to be, you know, organic in my reactions to your final thoughts. Sometimes we dip our toes <laughs> in that end of the pool accidentally. And welcome to episode number 168 of Artificial Turf Wars, where our outlook is as sunny as a spring day in Etobicoke. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by Joshua Housem, who I keep forgetting to look adjectives up for before we start the podcast. That's really something <laughs> I need to put on my to-do list. Um, uh, how you doing tonight, Josh? I'm good. Are you still in the Thanks. sunny south? No, I'm back no, home. They, they kicked you out again. Track yeah. him down. Back Keep to getting Canada. deported. It's really depressing. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the biggest deal in camp in terms of races, which is who's going to be the fifth starter for the Blue Jays. Uh, Rafael Dolis, um, they say nobody gets any healthier during spring training, and he decided to have appendicitis just to, you know, be a little different. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Danny Jansen are both hitting for some power. Uh, Jordan Romano is looking very good, and uh, there was, I believe, I read something specifically on why he's looking good. Um, and then we have uh, an interview because we are starting our season previews with Matthew Corey, longtime friend of the podcast, even when it wasn't called Artificial Turf Wars. Uh, we have some questions from you, and then we have a gold star because we're not we're not angry people when when Major League Baseball does something fun and correct. We're right there with uh, with the, the gold stamp. So, we shall begin with, I feel like this is like a throwback to, what, 2010. Who will be the fifth starter is the most exciting thing we can talk about. Yeah, it's just, the, the difference is it's not, oh God, who's going to be the fifth starter? Mm -hmm. They're trying to decide between people that are intriguing. Um, you know, right now, going into going into spring, it was... I actually handicapped it, and I think I said this last time too, that as Yamaguchi getting the nod. And, you know, just because I thought that the Jays wanted to see what he could give them there before trying to do anything else. And, you know, the start of this whole spring training, which obviously, you know, it's still early, 
it's not looking like that. It's it's very much looking like Trent Thornton is running with this job and he's going to be the guy. Which um, we've said before is not the worst thing in the world because a consistent Trent Thornton uh, looks like a pretty good pitcher for a fifth starter. Uh, we just don't know why he wasn't so consistent last year. Yeah, I mean, he was a rookie. And, you know, he said there were certain pitches that were causing him some trouble that he's tried to refine his repertoire a little bit. I've, I've sort of come around on this a bit more, too. This idea that instead of Shun Yamaguchi getting the spot, that Thornton is the guy who who could actually be the piece for the future. Yamaguchi's a 32-year-old Japanese import, so, you know, he doesn't have that much of a shelf life left regardless. So, you know, if you can actually get a step forward from Trent Thornton, that really makes it easier when you're trying to take this team to the next level. If you don't, it's like, you know what, this guy can really contribute to a major league rotation as opposed to, you know, holding down the back end. Well, yeah, presumably Tanner Roark is not a, as big a factor next year. And, and you know, if, if you someone's going to uh, leapfrog anybody, you're right, the younger uh the younger pitcher is the guy you want moving up a step in the rotation. So when you're filling in the back end, you're filling it with someone better <laughs> and <Yeah>. so on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, but it is super early. There's still three weeks to go till opening day. So. Yeah, a lot can change. And, you know, as, as you alluded to, spring training is not when you get healthier. So someone could get hurt. And then, you know, the, the big name that people are trying to throw into this mix is Nate Pearson. Yes, because Nate Pearson is, as you've, you've alluded to many times, going to be really, really good. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about arguably the greatest pitching prospect in the history of the Blue Jays. By Baseball America rankings, that is actually accurate. Because Halliday peaked at 11, Carpenter was in the teens. Yeah, and, and I think for raw... Um, stuff combined with you know actual um results i can understand why that is because that you know roy halliday was not throwing 101 miles an hour even before he rebuilt himself um he's just he's a remarkable pitcher from from all accounts um not just as a blue jay but just in general a remarkable pitcher because i I think that happens a lot with prospects we go well he's, he's number two in the blue jay system which you know maybe it puts him well, lately that's been much better news, but um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, two three years ago, number two in the Blue Jay system could be number seventy eight in the overall rankings, which isn't really anywhere special at all. Yeah, it's certainly not in the elite category. And so Pearson, you know, we talked about how he struck out all three batters last week. You know that I saw. But he went to face the Pirates and struck out. Three out of six, <laughs> including getting their the heart of their, you know, their Pirates major league lineup is <laughs> calling it a major league lineup could be questionable, but you know he he dominated them too. So now we're getting all this stuff coming out where it's like if the Jays don't put him in the rotation right now, it's service time manipulation. And it's like this; it'd be irresponsible for them not to do. It. It's like, whoa, let's slow down. Yeah, absolutely, because he just doesn't have innings under his belt at yeah. all. Yeah, he's, and like, this is all after three spring training <laughs> innings. So yeah, he doesn't. Have, he doesn't have spring training innings under his belt. He doesn't have minor league innings under his belt. He doesn't have his stamina built up, as far as we know. So 
it seems like a bit of a fool's game at this point, um, since the Blue Jays are not going to be competing for a World Series championship anytime in the next <clears throat> months. <laughs> it's, it seems like pushing him around and, and trying to get him up to the major league level, although, yes, it will limit his service time. I don't think that's at all, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're actually trying to protect the asset long term from a, a physical standpoint, it makes way more sense to just leave him be in AAA so he can he can figure out this pitching thing and not have um, all that pressure of being the bigs on him. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, look, there is an argument to be made for bringing him north, that he is the best pitcher available in that spot. I think you can make a very strong case that that's true, that he's the, the, the best pitcher the Jays have or the second best after Ryu, and that – you know, pitchers have only so many arms. You don't want to waste their inning. Sorry, so many pitches in their <laughs> they, arm. And you don't they want to waste do only have two arms. Most of the time. Um, <laughs> but Pearson's thrown 80 innings above A ball. He's thrown 140 innings total. Yeah, well, again, it's it's not like he he toiled away anywhere. He got hurt, and you know, it's not like this guy. This is a guy that had great, you know, long hundred plus inning things in the in college. You know, like Justin Verlander came out like that way. He threw thirty three innings as a reliever his last year of college. All right. So as much as uh, it sounds ridiculous to be breaking in a pitcher, we think that they're breaking in a pitcher, and we're both pretty okay with that. Yeah. So I, I just think that we've gone to this point where anytime there's an elite prospect who is sent back to the minors, like, oh, service time manipulation. Oh, they're doing this. They're shady. It's like, no, they're doing it because it, they think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if they uh, protect a guy, uh, you know, or, or, or develop a guy in such a way that his career is, you know, three or four years longer, um, overall, at the end, haven't they done everyone a favor? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. I think that there is nuance to this nuance to the situation, but I, it's just this idea that I think it's automatically service time manipulation drives me crazy, and I think it's just people should not be saying that. All right, let us move on to uh, the injury report. Uh, Rafael Dolis shows up on the injury report with appendicitis, actually having his appendix removed uh, with surgery and understandably that puts one on the shelf for a period of time. Huh? Surgery knocks you out for games <laughs> in your core. Yes. Yeah. And it's especially unfortunate for Dolis because he had already missed some time at the start of camp because he had the flu or was sick with something. I can't remember if they actually said what his illness was, but you know, he comes back and he throws his first time out and he looked really good. A couple strikeouts in his first two outings and, showing off his splitter, which he really developed in Japan. And and now he might not be able to ramp up enough to break camp. Now, like you said, there's still three weeks left and he is a reliever. So there's a chance, but he's just hurt his case a little bit. Yeah. I think um, recovery from surgery is a very, like, I mean, any ailment, but it is a very personal thing. Um, so I, we've seen guys come back after a couple days after appendicitis. They, they said his appendix did not burst. So he's probably not dealing with like a major infection or anything. So, I mean, if you're going to have appendicitis, I guess early spring training is a good time to get it relative to the other six months that are coming up. 
<laughs> yeah, that's too bad because he's. I mean, look, this is only going to knock him out for at most the minimum injured list day, which will be about ten days after back dating it as far as they can go. Yeah. But you know, he's just someone I was excited to see a lot of early in the early going to see how much his success in Japan and adding that splitter will have translated to the big leagues. All right, we have uh, after the injury report the power report because. Hey, why not talk about dingers? That should be the tagline for all the episodes. Hey, why not talk about dingers? Yeah. <laughs> Even if there weren't any, we just go over the previous week's dingers. All right, Vlad Jr., I saw one home run. Now, he he has hit two since our last podcast. I honestly, yes. yes. I saw the first one on a replay, and that was a laser beam. Yeah, and then he hit one today, which, <laughs> if you're looking for a launch angle, <laughs> <laughs> the swing he took, he it was one of those, like, you drop the back shoulder <laughs> and just swing on it. <laughs> so we talked last week about how, in the early going, he was not getting the results with the new swing, and, you know, it was all these ground balls, and there was all this, there was a little bit of hand wringing, like, oh, no, you know, is this going to be a problem? It takes some time to adjust to facing pitching, and it seems to be coming around kind of nicely. Yeah, I mean, I, I did not look at the miles per hour off the bat. I don't even know if it's available in Dunedin at the moment. But wow, did that baseball look like it was on a wire leaving down. I mean, it was one of those, if it's fair, it's it's so far gone, nobody even needs to talk about it down the uh, down the left field line. So that that's what you want to see. Yeah, and the one today is, even the MLB account was putting out the, there was a video just of him hitting the ball. You couldn't actually see where it went but you could hear it. <laughs> and oh my goodness, the sound it makes when bad connects. He's so good when he's good. I really want him to be good. Um, Me too. That'd be nice. All right. Danny Jansen, also on the, the hype train. <laughs> yeah. He's hit two massive home runs so far in spring training, which, you know, that's not what you were thinking when you think of Danny Jansen. It's more the reason I, I, when we, so Greg and I always do a little brief outline before the show and talk about what we want to talk about. And I mentioned this, and the reason I wanted to talk about Jansen specifically is that when people are looking at this team and the, the way this lineup is, a lot of the focus is on, obviously, for good reason, Bo, Vlad, Biggio, Gurriel even. But Jansen, coming into last season, was viewed as an offensive catcher. A guy who was going to hit and potentially be an upper part of the lineup guy. And he was terrible. He was just straight up bad, but he was great defensively. If he can get to get back to what was expected of him coming out of the minors, I mean, he was a 390, 400 on base guy the last couple of years in double A and triple A, then that could be a tremendous boost to this lineup. Yeah, it's your, your like yearly reminder that even an average offensive producer at catcher, if he is also a a solid defensive catcher is a is a big asset to a team because there are not 30 of those guys out there. No. There might there might be are there 15 guys who are average offensively and and average or better defensively as catchers? I I don't think so, no. So he doesn't have to be you know, the the Bobachet of of uh of catching when he's when he's uh, swinging the bat. 
but he, he no. does need to be better than what he was. Well, yeah, but last year, I mean, a 279 on base and a 360 slugging just isn't going to cut it. But, you know, Dems so is like, Aaron Sibia numbers, son. <laughs> he hit for a little more power. But, <laughs> so, like, you know, in 2017 across three levels, Jansen hit 323 with a 400 on base and a 484 slugging. In 2018, just in AAA, he hit 275 with a 390 on base and a 473 slugging, and then had a 347 on base and a 432 slugging in his call up to the bigs. If he can just do that, that last bit, he will be a star. And he must have a good sense of the strike zone in order to maintain those kind of numbers for two years. Yeah. That does, doesn't abandon players completely. No, and sometimes guys just struggle when they're adjusting <laughs> to the big leagues. Shocking. Yeah. Again, almost like real live opponents are different than what's on the paper. Yeah. Now, this isn't us saying, like, he's definitely going to do this and he's going to be a star. But the potential is still very much there. And it's a, yeah, he's one of the key guys for the season. All right. And our last spring training note is uh, Jordan Romano. Looking better than maybe we expected him to? Yeah. So you were talking about the reasons that he's looking so good. And he's got, he, he's pitched four innings, struck out six. No runs, two hits, no walks. The numbers in spring training are meaningless, except the underlying ones. He's been up to 98 miles an hour already in spring training. And this is kind of the thing that can make Jordan Romano a real asset. Last year with the Jays, I'm not sure if you remember, but when he first got sent back from Texas and pitched for the Jays, he was throwing quite hard he hit 100 miles an hour in his first time out but then by the end he was down to topping at 97 Mm -hmm. and averaging under 95 and he was saying that that was a big issue for him so in the off season he trained with a modus sleeve do you know what that is um according to sportsnet and arden's welling it is a a blue it is a a uh, piece of technology which includes a um a accelerometer and gyroscope um, sensor, which you wear on your body. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, so he was able to measure what as actually, when he starts to actually fatigue. So he's going to, he's been throwing less and focusing more on managing his workload to try to stay strong deep into the season. And if he can do that, I think he could be a really good weapon with his slider. And he describes in this article by by Arden, um, which, again, I've been trying to be a good boy this spring and read some things. Um, <laughs> so he describes pitching through pain and and trying to just go with his gut as to as to how much throwing in between he would do. Um, and everything is pointed to that was too much for his arm. So it's interesting if. You know, I, obviously he's got to he's got to be clear with his manager as the season wears on that um, he really is or is not available on a given day. But um, if there's an overall program that that is actually more accurate, I think that's fascinating for a pitcher who has has dealt with fatigue. Yeah, totally agree. And he also in that same article he talks about he's using the arm care routine that Pearson uses to maintain his velocity. So why not? <laughs> Why not be like Nate Pearson? That's the $64,000 question. The other thing we should be asking at every top of every podcast. (laughs) 
the entire podcast first half is just a series of catchphrases from now until late june perfect all right we have matt Corey all teed up for you so we're gonna come back with him because we get to make fun of the red Sox. uh well at least a little bit and uh <laughs> i mean what what could be more fun than making fun of the red Sox with matt Corey? see you in a sec We are pleased to once again be joined by friend of the podcast, Boston Red Sox fan extraordinaire, uh, host of Red Sox Coast to Coast podcast, and writer for Baltimore Sports and Life. It is the one, the only Matthew Corey. Hi, how are y'all doing? I probably should have put some applause in there or something, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> just was... put a little sound effect over it and post. Don't worry about it. That was a fantastic <laughs> intro, and I feel like I've already failed you. <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. Oh my goodness. Um so it has been an off season for the Red Sox in so many ways. So many things we've yes. learned that we we were not maybe expecting to learn. Speaking of failing, um yes. <laughs> so we're going to let we're going to let you take the reins here and tell us some nice things that have come out of the Red Sox camp this spring. Uh, nice things that have come out of the Red Sox camp. Um, well, most of the players are healthy. (laughs) (laughs) This is going great. (laughs) Their, uh, their uniforms look snappy. Um, yeah, that's about what I got right now. Uh, it's, it's been rough. Yeah. The, you know, obviously I, I imagine you'll ask about sale, but we can jump to that if you want. Uh, it's not entirely clear what his, uh, prognosis is long-term. He has a sprained, uh, UCL, I think. And, you know, apparently that's the kind of thing that you can either be fine with or have major surgery. I'm not exactly sure how that works because I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't even play one on a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, but it's the it's a kind of thing that I think baseball fans can relate to. In that, you know, once you start to hear about injuries like that, you know, <laughs> there's there's a knock at the back door, and it ain't good. Um, that is a I, I, super expensive arm that just got a a flexor strain to it. And it's the one that they're depending on most. I mean, if you were to say who is the player they're depending on most this year to put them in the wild card uh, conversation, it's Chris Sale. I mean, they need those, you know, five to seven wins out of out of that the starter spot because they're so thin there. Um and now not only are they not probably not going to get those, but they, um, you know, they have a, another hole in the rotation. And I've heard yeah, they, could, they could trade for David Price now. <laughs> well, it's funny because, uh, you know, they had a pretty good starting pitcher and a great right fielder and they traded them both away. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> are, we, are we going there now, too? Or? I don't know. Well, you, guys, are... you guys tell me. <laughs> We're two and a half minutes into the interview, and the the doors are off. The one wheel is flat. <laughs> it's not good. I mean, Raphael Devers is fantastic. Uh, Xander Bogarts is fantastic. Um, you know, 
they got uh, they got some good players back uh, from you know the Betts deal, guys who can probably help them long term. Um, I'm trying to be positive here. Uh, so let's yeah. let's we'll, we'll 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 move on to Betts in a second, and okay. we'll, we'll give you some brief reprieves from the horribleness of some of the offseason. <laughs> 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 so the the Red Sox offense, yeah, it was, yes, Betts MVP candidate. But it should still be pretty good, right? Yeah, it should be. It should be. I mean, I think I think there's more uh, to Andrew Benintendi than he showed last year. Um, you know, in, in a year that just about everyone's power numbers spiked, his went down. Um, and I think he had tried to bulk up a little bit. And um, I'm not sure I have a you know a great reason for his sort of step back last year, but uh, he's he's into camp and he's healthy and he's lost some of that weight and feels good. And so, you know, the Red Sox are, are going to be depending on him even more than, than in the past. Um, you know, Raphael Devers is a sensation. Um, his defense picked up fantastically last year as did his offense. And so, you know, he looks like, uh, you know, a, a future, dare I say MVP candidate. Um, you know, and, and Xander Bogarts is, is really the rock of that team. And then on top of that, they've got J.D. Martinez and, and you know, some other guys filling out the back of the lineup. So, yeah, they should score a, a bunch of runs, and, and they're they're really going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we address that last comment, uh-huh. <laughs> just back to Benintendi for a second, because I think sure. he's probably the most interesting guy in this offense in that, you know, the, 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 gal- the gap in what he could provide is so big. What do you think happened last year that led to such a strange performance? Like you said, everyone was hitting for more power and he went in the exact opposite direction. You know, I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, I mean, I know he, he bulked up so he could try to hit for a little more power. Um, and you know, the strikeout numbers went up. Um, and you know, it, but he just, he just never did. Uh, maybe he was nursing an injury of some sort that, you know, it, this being last year and my brain brain being what it is, I don't remember. But, um, you know, the numbers are, are not bad. You know, if you if you look at the, you know, the breakdown of, you know, where he hit the ball and, um, you know, how hard he hit it, it's it's I mean, it's nothing amazing, but it's it's not bad, certainly. And um, so I think I think there's more there um, than than what he showed. And I know it's not a great answer, but uh, <laughs> um I think uh, it, it could be just one of those sort of. It wasn't a sophomore year, but you know what I mean. Just sort of a, a little slumpy season, and and he's cleared his head, and hopefully, uh, you know, back to being what he was before. Okay, so we're we're gonna go to the Mookie Betts trade because <laughs> okay. I think the the Boston Red Sox, a financially uh, stable team with a built-in fan base. Um, appear to not have ever been interested in paying Mookie Betts the market rate is the way I read it from 500 miles away over here in Canada. How, um, is, that, how is that a position that the team took and, and are they going to come out of that not looking kind of silly? Uh, yeah, there's a whole lot there. I, I did two full podcasts on this, so... <laughs> They're really good, by the way. You should oh, go listen thanks. if you're curious. <laughs> listeners, so now I'm speaking to the listeners, even though I'm saying you. I, I listened to both of them. They were really oh, good. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I you know, Betts had really uh, stated that that he was going to hit free agency. You know, um, he really wanted to test the market. He feels like it's his obligation as a player and a member of the union to test the market. And, um, you know, and, and the Red Sox were kind of in a position. It was really two things. One, uh, I think they were worried about losing him for nothing, you know, um, once he hit the market. And, you know, the other thing is they're over the the luxury tax um, for, you know, the third time in a row or whatever it was. And they, like all the other teams, are attempting to use that as a, an excuse to cut salaries. So, um, I mean, it's not that there are no penalties. There are penalties and there are sort of mounting penalties as you go up the ladder. You know, the more you uh, – the more times you go over, um, you know, the, the worse the penalties are. Uh, but it it seems worth it to me to lose to move a draft pick down ten spots and have Mookie Betts on your team. Um, yeah, I I just got the sense that they they did not think that that they would be able to pay him, um, you know, what he wanted, or or they weren't willing to, you know, one of those two things, and that's partially you know, because of the contract extensions that they handed out, you know, Dave Dombrowski handed out last off season, you know, he gave money to Bogarts, he gave money to sale, he gave money to Nate Eovaldi. Um, and, you know, that plus contracts that were handed out previously, uh, you know, before that, um, have them or had them, uh, you know, up over the, the luxury tax threshold again. And, so I think they saw this as an opportunity to get under the, you know, the threshold, uh, get rid of David Price's contract, which they had clearly soured on. Um, I don't and, blame them necessarily uh, for souring on that contract. <laughs> it was a big contract. Um, and, you know, Price, you know, sort of did his thing in, in, I mean, he was by all accounts a really good teammate, but he did not get along well with the Boston media. Uh, and it was really hot and cold with the fans too. Not that that's a reason to get rid of a guy. Uh, I, you know, to me, it would have made sense if, you know, they had traded him in November, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when there were, there were pitchers on the market that they could have gone out and either signed or traded for, but, um, but they didn't. <laughs> I think they probably tried, but you know the, the off season sort of got away from them. I and mean, we didn't we didn't talk about the the cheating scandal that you know the the report that oh, we were, we're going we're, to. We're getting there. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Uh, but uh, you know, I think they were they were expecting stuff on that, and then they you know all of a sudden they had to get rid of Cora, and um, it, it was just this sort of snowball of of stuff. And I think uh, I think they kind of pulled the trigger at the last minute when they, when they could on the bets deal. So, um, yeah, it is, it is really disappointing to lose a player like that. And I'm still hopeful that they can, you know, go out and sign him in the, uh, in, you know, after the season, uh, when he'll be a free agent. So the special, yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate that actually happening, but, uh, but I'm, I'm certainly hopeful. He, uh, he, he fits a need on the team and <laughs> and they're uh, they'll be under the the stupid swear 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 luxury tax threshold so 
maybe they can maybe they can work something out. I don't know. Um, that's a whole, that's a sign of someone who does his own podcast, by the way. You know, like you're ready for the the self bleeping. But yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you think there's a chance they had some idea that there was something wrong with sale ahead of time because they sort of threw up the white flag when there was all this evidence they had a real shot at at least making the postseason this year. Yeah, I, I mean that's interesting. I I tend to think not, but it is it is possible. I mean. When Sale came into camp, all the talk was that he was fully healthy and ready for the season to start and was going to ramp up, and then he got a low-grade pneumonia. Um, and so he was sick for a couple weeks and or, or whatever, and that, that sort of pushed him back. Um, I, but I, I don't think they had an idea that, that he was dealing with an injury like this, so – and I, you know, I think they still are hopeful that he's going to throw 150 innings for them. I, I think it's a pipe dream at this point. I, and again, you know, not a doctor, don't know. Um, I mean, we can all remember when you know Masahiro Tanaka was supposed to need Tommy John surgery and decided not to get it, and that was um, a decade ago, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he's been throwing 200 innings every year, so you, you never, never really know with these kind of. I mean, actually, closer to home, David Price, a couple off seasons ago, said that if he'd been younger he would have got Tommy John surgery but um you know but he uh, he's old and and he, I think he said his his arm is incredible or amazing or or something like that and therefore he doesn't need it i'm going i'm, I'm going to miss him <laughs> <laughs> so you you uh you seem to think that we had limited our topics the i want you to know that the red Sox situation is kind of like a big schadenfreude cake and it's difficult to know where to dig in and cut a piece off of first. And we don't get that opportunity very often with the Red Sox because the Blue Jays like to finish fourth and fifth a lot lately. Right. Um, yeah, which well, they that's might, true. They might still do. But, you know, that that we'll take what we'll take the cake we can have when we can have Bring it. up Nate Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. Um, we discussed that on our part of the podcast. I know. But... <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. Continue where you were going with that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say uh, you also are short a manager due to, of all things, um, cheating, both when he cheated with another team and with your team, though. Uh, I, okay, the, the thing I really want to focus on as well is Alex Cora's absence and what the effect that's going to have, I guess. Uh, I have a follow-up with the investigation. I, I just read Manfred's last comment was supposed to be wrapped up on February 28th. It's March yeah, 5th. I, it's insane. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I mean, there's been numerous reports that, you know, it's in the Boston media and a couple in the national media saying that that this is not much ado about nothing. Like the Dodgers apparently got assurances from MLB that uh, Mookie wasn't involved in anything. And, um, you know, before that trade went through. Um, so what I'm saying is the Red Sox didn't cheat well enough to keep Mookie bets. Um, <laughs> I think I. Uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> i almost i almost made it through that without giggling sorry <laughs> um now i lost my train of thought i i'm just I thinking I'm gonna, about... I'm gonna need a visual aid anyway and this is not a visual podcast for, for yeah. how hard you have to cheat to keep your mvp <laughs> <laughs> well they did a they did a bad job of it apparently on, on multiple levels um yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Cora fitted really, really well with the team um, by all accounts. Even last year when things kind of went off the rails a little bit, um, 
you know, he kept the team together and, and everybody was, uh, you know, really upset and disappointed when, when he got dismissed. And there were even some players who were saying they hoped that he would be rehired, uh, like next year or something, which, you know, is ridiculous. Um, but, um, they, you know, they, they tagged Ron Renneke, former Brewers manager and Red Sox bench coach, um, to take over after interviewing. I mean, it's just been such a weird off season guys. It's been so weird. <laughs> yes. And still potential weirdness to come when these penalties eventually do come down. Yeah. If, if they come, I mean, Manfred keeps saying he's going to issue a, a report and then he'll come out and make an announcement. And the announcement is I'm going to issue the report in another week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, going to come on like October 14th or something like that. <laughs> it's so strange. It's like, did they, if they did something, can you punish them? Like, why is this so complicated? I, I yeah. don't, I don't understand. Um, but I mean, it'll, it'll come at some point, I guess, or maybe <laughs> just the punishment. It's just like, <laughs> purgatory. It's, it's like Sisyphus. Just you keep pushing the rock almost to the top and then you got to watch exactly. it roll down again. Right, 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 right on top of you. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah. okay, then let's take this back to what's coming then, you know, because yep. because we talked a lot about what we dealt with over the past six months or so, which has been not so fun for you. And this next part might not be as fun either. Who's going to pitch? Uh, well, my arm's feeling good, and uh, <laughs> I think I can. No. Uh, Clearly, you're a free I'm, agent. I am, actually. Uh, well, they just signed Colin McHugh, who uh, also is injured, so he'll fit right in. Uh, <laughs> I wanted the Jays to sign him, by the way, so I was you know, not too happy with that. Yeah. I, I, I talked to some Orioles fans the other day and they wanted the Orioles to sign. I mean, you know, it's, it makes sense to sign him. I don't know what the holdup on signing him was, but, um, it's good to have him in the, you know, uh, on, on the team. He'll presumably be able to help, uh, a little bit down the road. I, it may be too little too late at that point, but, um, I mean, who's going to pitch Nate Yavaldi needs to step up and be healthy. Um, they signed Martin Perez, um, who gave up six runs in the first inning to the Yankees in spring training game the other day. So that's going to be fantastic. Um, and I think the ace of the staff is Eduardo Rodriguez, who had a really good season last year. He threw 200 innings for the first time in his career. And um, I don't remember his ERA off the top of my head, but it was it was pretty good, I think. Uh, let's see. I can click a button and find out. Um, he, he, you literally uh, have a one-click step to every Red Sox statistic. It's just It's a desktop full of one click <laughs> hot links <laughs> 381 uh in in 203 innings um so i i think the hope is that you know that he repeats that and you know he's still relatively young maybe maybe even does a, a hair better but i mean they're gonna have to employ multiple openers probably as as the season goes along um i mean they hired heim bloom from the uh, rays as the general new general manager so uh, he's the guy who knows how to do that, so maybe that'll help. Um, they've been bringing in a lot of, uh, you know, non-roster, uh, edge of the forty-man type of guys, um, you know, to, to pitch presumably um, to pitch some innings, uh, you know, uh, going forward in the season. So I think uh, maybe they'll be able to find some, some what is it, uh, diamonds in the rough? I guess that's there. There's a uh, the Red Sox have a 29-year-old guy named Ryan Weber who there have been multiple articles out of the Boston media saying uh, how much the new Red Sox front office loves Ryan Weber. And uh, he's, 
I mean, not good. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. He threw 40 innings last year, uh, five run ERA and uh, struck out 6.4 guys per nine. So, I mean, I know those aren't like deep stats or anything, but you know, how deep do you need to go when those are the numbers? So, but um, you know, they, in, in Tampa, they did a pretty good job of turning some mediocre pitchers into, uh, you know, into decent bullpen pieces. So uh, maybe Bloom can, replicate that in boston because boy do they need him to all right so now we get to the part of the program um first of all before i do any of this i want to make it clear that none of my predictions are ever accurate so i'm 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 just uh clearly not without sin here in the prediction department and and i don't mean to drag you but uh this year i'm going to if we have the same person i'm going to play last year's prediction briefly and see how you feel about it now so here we go. Yankees are going to be. I I feel like I feel like they might be a little stronger on paper, but uh, their starting pitching, I think, is a little scarier than the Red Sox. Uh, you know, for them. Um, and yeah, I, I I'll all right. I'll go out on a limb. Sure, Red Sox win the division with ninety five wins. How'd they do? Uh, don't think 84. they won the division. Eighty four. Yeah. And and third. I was off by a bit. Off by a bit. <laughs> Things went very wrong for that Red Sox starting pitching last year. Yeah, I I think um, I think I was wrong. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, they they got not a lot out of sale and not a lot out of price, relatively, and almost nothing out of Eovaldi. And uh, you know, some of the hitters regressed, and that was the story. So having grown a year in, in wisdom, clearly. It's iffy, but okay, we'll go yeah. with it. I mean, it happens to <laughs> absolutely all of us. We are we are one year wiser. Um, what say you about the Red Sox final record and division position this year? Boy. And I don't even think the uh, Tampa person we talked, I think it was RJ Anderson. I, I don't think he predicted Tampa finishing second in the division. So mm, who knows? You know, it really wouldn't shock me if, if they finish under 500. Um, I think the defense is going to be pretty bad overall. Um, you know, the starting pitching is already a mess and we're not even, we haven't even started the season yet. Um, and I, I think there's a real possibility that, you know, if they're sort of puttering along and not doing much in relation to the wild card standings, you know, come july they might start making some moves moving out some guys who um whose contracts are expiring or who they can get value you know down the line for so um i think it's going to be one of those years and i wouldn't be surprised if the blue jays finished ahead of the red Sox. wow Uh, hashtag those years or one of those years so we're we're, we're talking like like 78 to 80 wins that's that's your ball yeah, i was gonna say 79 i think All 79 right. is where, where i'm at right now um 79 matthew Corey certified wins hopefully i didn't overshoot it by as much as i did last year <laughs> <laughs> uh, i appreciate you sticking your neck out again though you could have been shy you could have been very shy and we don't have to do that that's the great thing when you just ask other people yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, what do you think? I mean, do you, do you guys think I'm off? I think um, you're a little pessimistic. Um, yeah, I do too. 
that's fair but i can i can see them i can see them close to last year's record more than than two years ago absolutely i see i see your logic there but i feel like um i feel like there's probably more talent on that team than 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 you think so low 80s is what you guys see i think so i haven't thought a great deal about it you've probably thought about it more than i have matt sadly it's certainly the case So if people want to catch uh, a, an unlimited amount of Red Sox content, it is on Red Sox Coast to Coast. Uh, you have a co-host with that, I presume? I do. Yes, Brendan O'Toole, who is uh, fantastic and has a uh, perfectly deep voice for radio. It's it's a wonderful um, sound when he talks and a lot less so when I do. But uh... That's how I feel when I do this with Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I only turn on the radio voice when I get really close to the microphone. That's that's the trick is to save it for just just one hour a week. That's good. All right. But anyway, so, as, as someone who's not a host of that podcast, I will say it's really good. If you care at all about Boston or just want to hear good baseball talk, go listen to it. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, with that ringing endorsement, uh, Mr. Corey, we will send you off into the good night. And uh, thank you once again for joining us for the season preview. Absolutely. Uh, it's always a joy to talk to you guys. Thanks. All right. Take care. We have returned after a long journey, long day's journey in tonight. Yeah, that's what we did. Totally. And because we've returned safe and sound, we have questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Did I just compare the Red Sox to a Shakespearean tragedy? That's not the most unreasonable thing to do right now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Not a lot of questions this week, but we love you all. Um... And uh, and we do enjoy them, so we will start. Juco James at Juco James. With the rash of in-division injuries, i.e. the Yankees have apparently some sort of Jobu's curse on them or something, tell me why a 90-win season is not what Ross Atkins may call a, quote, reasonably possible error bar, unquote. Well, I mean, I think it is. Basically... The the ninety win season is if all of these young players take the steps to become the players you think they can be right now. <laughs> if that happens, this team could theoretically win ninety games. Now the odds of that happening are very slim. But that, that reasonably po- curve gets really bell shaped out of the ninety win end. <laughs> like those, those those error bars. <laughs> as much as they they're just a bar when you put them on a graph. Uh, they're pretty thin out the ends and pretty fat in the middle. That's the way normalized distributions go, right? Yeah. Like, there is a scenario where the Blue Jays win 90 games this year. It's just not even close to the likely one. And uh, I also, the fact that he, when did Ross Atkins call something a reasonably possible error bar? I think he was talking about plans for in the season and, and uh, acquiring guys and stuff like that he said that he's talking about like their idea is to have these kind of reasonably possible error bars where like if things go right you can break through and then push forward in the in the deadline i i, I remember the general context of the of the uh of the 
interview and he was talking about that and free agent signings and things like that. I have to do some research um, of, of, of interviews with him. And then we're going to play a game called uh, corporate CEO or Ross Atkins. Good times. All right. Uh, L at Ellie Yelly Hart asks if the Philly fanatic becomes a free agent, should the blue Jays be buyers? I don't know if his more Mar mascot above replacement <laughs> is high enough. I mean, Ace isn't bad. He's no BJ Birdie, but he's not bad. Now, the Philly fanatic is classic. He's, he's the he's one of the greats. But I saw a funny tweet <laughs> the other day. It's like Gritty is just a fully evolved form of the Philly, Philly fanatic. <laughs> Gritty makes me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the point. Well, that like just makes you laugh and smile. He's he's like manufactured weirdness and also apparently assaulted someone. But I'm not sure that that's entirely true. That was thrown out. Well, so the best part of that and I know we don't generally veer this far off topic was it appeared that Gritty, the mascot, was being held responsible, not, not the, the guy in suit. suit. <laughs> it's like well you you can't sue a fictional character she has become gritty <laughs> so wrong oh well, man. No, we turn this into a discussion about gritty <laughs> oh yeah Question. no i'm all for the philly fanatic coming here because um i think uh i think some serious shenanigans are are lacking in the i mean that's true you know, Ace is all good for for hugs in the stands and a couple of photos and maybe a little rah rah this or that. But but there there is no pranking of any kind. And if I want to see players, you know, look ridiculous uh, on on the turf, I think you need somebody like with the fanatic skills to come in. Yep, fanatic off the bench. All right, all right, I like it. Lastly, Jose Bautista's slider, which we, we didn't even mention this, so. Well, That's I was going to make it my final thought, but we're going to blow that. It's Greg. fine. It's fine. You <laughs> you didn't tip me off to your final thought. I try to I try to be you know organic in my reactions to your final thoughts. Sometimes we dip <laughs> our toes in that end of the pool accidentally. Okay. Uh, the question is not about Jose Bautista. It is whose name is Buck going to butcher the worst this year on the Jays? Do you want to go for this first? I think Rafael Dolis. Or Dolis. That's the obvious real answer. Yeah. I was going to say Travis Shaw. <laughs> Just because Buck can't do many things right. Travis Shaw. What? <laughs> Travis Shore. No, he's going to be like, like, uh, yeah, he's it's going to, he's going to turn into some previous Blue Jay, like Travis Snyder, or uh, like he'll be Ernie Shaw somehow. And we'll all be like, who's, who's Ernie Shaw? What? Let's start talking about Jeff Shaw, which is Travis's dad. Yeah. That's what, like, so he's not going to butcher his name. He's going to get Travis Shaw confused with a player who's never even played on the Blue Jays. Agreed. I'm glad we solved that. I was worried that we wouldn't know whose name Buck would butcher the worst this year. So we hand out, very judiciously, we hand out gold stars. Now, I can't believe this. We've handed out one to Trevor Bauer already uh, against general principles. We're going to hand one out to... The marketing people at MLB right now. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Yes. MLB marketing. Who? 
they must have a new guy who snuck in and pitched an idea and uh, and let it happen. They've decided that in spring training, maybe it would be fun to put a microphone on the players so we could hear what they were doing. That's yeah. just crazy. They've done this before. We, I think we last year we gave the gold star to Mookie Betts. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get that one. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm not getting that one, boys. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mookie Betts. I mean, that might have been two years ago. Uh, now they have two players mic'd up at once if you're looking for audio. Um, it's uh, Chris Bryant at bat and Anthony Rizzo in the on-deck circle. I find this endearing. I mean, you do have the sound effect of the guy spitting. Not the best sound effect. <laughs> uh, but in general, when a a highly skilled millionaire is waiting for a 90 mile an hour fastball and he's going, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it cracks me up. Wasn't Chris Bryant too? It was like, I, it's like, someone was coming. I could use so someone bang something or something like that. <laughs> I did not see that part. Um, He complained about being tired after having hit a foul ball, though. Yeah, he's like, get fair, get down. (laughs) He's running down the line and went foul. I was like, no, I'm tired. (laughs) And then the Mets one was great. Uh, They had Pete Alonso, Dominic Smith, and J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil. (laughs) And they were talking about Jeff McNeil's nickname being Squirrel and Dominic Smith talking about how he hates that nickname and they were joking about it. And then they were just ripping Smith because he wouldn't shut up. (laughs) Just like your friend who just doesn't stop talking like and they were just saying it on the on the air it's like yeah this guy he never shuts up we'll just let him go it's just fun you get to see the personal side of the players which is exactly what they should be marketing and alonzo even said stick a microphone in first base during the year i don't care yeah i think it's just it's just fun yeah and <laughs> and i understand you're gonna have to filter a big chunk of that audio um, not for strategic reasons, but but purely for, you know, inappropriate content. Um, <laughs> I, I I get that you know you can't you can't keep in mind um, to mind your tongue the whole time when you're out there just because someone has it mic'd up. But I feel like going back to it doesn't even have to be live. Going back to thirty seconds beforehand to hear not necessarily the banter, but to hear what a second baseman is saying when he wants the ball or during a play where um, there's some confusion on the diamond to hear what two different players heard or are trying to communicate. I think that's really, really something that would grab people um, who are, you know, maybe a little more than casual fans, but certainly would grab people who are interested in, in the players as well as the game. Yeah. And this just, it gets back to this idea that there are different ways to market to different people. Some people, like you just said, want that. And that's like, that will draw them into the game and be able to learn and get inside the heads of these extreme super athletes. And I think that's just great. Yeah. I understand why MLB is not like, Oh, let's go gung ho with this. I think you gotta, you gotta be careful with it. And and I think it could wear out its novelty. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. Um, But, but if, if on, Honestly, if players on Sunday Night Baseball knew that there was going to be two or three mic'd players or two or three places on the diamond that were mic'd up because it's a Sunday Night Baseball game, I think you could get the buy-in for it every time. Yeah, and I think that's the perfect kind of thing to do it. There's the weekly showcase, a couple players a week, as opposed to, like you said, every player, every game where it would run thin. 
Yeah, so I'd love to see them try something like that. So, congratulations, MLB. You get a gold star for a marketing idea that, A, didn't upset anybody or change the fundamental part of the game, and B, made the game even more interesting for us, the uh, grizzled, old-timey fan. Yeah. That's actually tough to do in one, with one maneuver. Yeah. <sighs> well, as, as, as amazing as it is, um, that rounds out our podcast for this week. So I shall tip my hat over to you and ask you about your super secret final thought. Well, I'm sure fans of the show are very curious what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So Jose Bautista is going to be pitching for the Dominican Republic in their Olympic qualifiers. He's 39 and he's apparently humping like 94, 95 with a vicious slider. What? Is he throwing left-handed? Because the last time I, I I noticed his arm, it was pooch two years. Well, not totally, but it, it wasn't what it used to be. No. So he was bad for like it was it was problematic in 2015 and 16, but in 2017 it had come back. He was actually throwing like Jose Bautista again. I remember he threw you know threw some guy out of the plate in the World Baseball Classic and and he was like 90 or maybe it was 2018, whatever his last year with the Blue Jay was. I'm sort of drawing blanks here, but it was like you know 90 plus mile an hour throw from the outfield. So whatever injury he suffered was gone, and apparently he's trained himself to pitch. There has to be video of this when it happens. We have to see it. Absolutely. Um, So the $64,000 question, which I will ask with my final thought is, does Anthony Ghost pitching give tips to Jose Bautista or does Jose Bautista pitching give tips to Anthony Ghost? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ghost was actually a pitcher at one point, though. He would have been drafted in the first round as a pitcher. Right. But then he ended up taking a long hiatus from that and then switching back to it to attempt to save his career, which he is still somewhere in spring training. That was, was that not, uh, Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah. With, um, Nick tweeted that out, that he's still out there trying to snap a slider off here and there. So yes. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd seen it before that too, but yeah, he looks great. I think there's a good chance he makes their bullpen. So our final thought this week was essentially all former blue Jays outfielders become pitchers. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Fair. Totally fair. All right. Well, uh, that is to say that I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you have been uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. And our guest this week was Matt Corey at Matty Matty 2000. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 168. And we'll talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.